You can be seated now. And uh, I want you to do something. Um, there are people, our crowd is a little smaller today because uh, we've already gotten calls of people that are, well, somebody that was at my Thanksgiving dinner tested positive for COVID. Other people said, we're just not feeling good today. And there are other things going on uh, in people's lives as well. So what I want you to do, let's do a little ministry. Take out your smartphone and text somebody who's not here and just tell them your church family loves you, we miss you, and we're praying for you. And just take a few minutes just to, you can send it out to multiples if you want to. And I'll lead us in a word of prayer in just a moment. We are going to pray. But let them hear from you. And wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody is sitting at home watching by live stream and all of a sudden they go, hey, my church family cares about me. I got a text. Or what if somebody is out somewhere where they're not able to watch us and yet their phone goes off and they look and they say, hey, somebody is praying for me because that is true. Jesus is praying for us and we too are joining with the Lord in praying for his people. So take a moment and do that. We won't take long, but uh, touch somebody with technology. Might as well use it for uh, Jesus' sake. Okay. We got people that we miss. We got people that are suffering. And we want to be a comfort to them through the Holy Spirit. So let's let's do that. Okay, let's go ahead and go to the Lord now. Okay. Father, we've got people that we have on our heart today. We've got people that need a touch from God today, which that would be all of us. We've got people today who need your healing hand placed upon them. Some people we are asking you to prevent things from invading their body and making them sick. For other people, we're asking you to heal them of those things. But Lord, we also know that there are people going through other things. I think about Brother Roger and his fall. I think about uh, someone that I know who is, well, they were just served divorce papers this past week. I think, Lord, about people who are concerned about their kids. Think about people that are worried about jobs and the economy. A lot of people that are worried about political things. Who's going to control the Senate? Who's going to sit in the White House? All of those kind of things that... Even though uh, in America we elect people for all of that, Romans 13 tells us that uh, they never would be there if it were not for you. And so we know that you have a purpose in everything that you do, and we also are praying for ourselves that we wouldn't miss the purpose that we have for being alive and being here at this particular time. So minister to us. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. And whenever we have an open door to share the gospel, an open door to give a word of encouragement, an open door to do an act of ministry, an open door to get involved in someone's life, I pray that we would do that, whether it's a visitor here today and we're thankful for them, or whether it's somebody that we just randomly meet at Walmart or McDonald's or someplace like that. May we always be ready to... May we always understand that we are never off the clock, spiritually speaking. 
And Father, today, I thank you for people that are here. I thank you for people that are watching. And I thank you, Father, for the freedom that we have to gather and to do this. May that continue. I pray for missionaries and the work of Christ that goes on both at home and around the world. May it prosper and may it be blessed. May you call others into your work and into your service. And I pray, Father, that you would alleviate fear. There's a lot of fear right now. And you've not given us the spirit of bondage to fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. Help us to think clearly regardless of what the media says. Help us to think clearly regardless of what Hollywood says. Help us to think clearly in spite of what social media says. Oh, Lord, we need the mind of Christ. And I pray that we would walk in faith and confidence. And I pray that we would do that. And Lord, we open up our hearts to receive your comfort for our lives personally. And your peace that passes understanding. We receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, got a Bible this morning? If you do, say an amen. That's one of the things you ought to be thankful for. Since it's Thanksgiving, you've got a copy of the Word of God, and you can read it. Someone said one time, if you've got a copy of the Scripture, thank a veteran. And if you can read it, thank a teacher. So uh, just be thankful. And we're looking here in the, uh, what are we, in the 17th chapter? I've slipped my mind now. Um, And we're going to be looking in um, this thing about Moses and Ah, here we go again, water. At the end of this passage, it asks a question, is the Lord among us or not? And I thought that was an excellent title for us to think about this morning. We're living in times that are unprecedented. We're living in times that are frightening. We're living in times where everybody's got an opinion and yet nobody knows anything. We are living in a time where one, literally one moment, you can hear something on the news that is contradicted in the next hour or so. And we don't know what's good, bad, right, or wrong. We like to think we do, and some people are pretty confident, but the truth of the matter is that it's easy to be misled in this day and age. It's supposed to be the information age where we can all get truth, and yet the truth of the matter is it's easy to be misled. That's why we need a word from God. And when I think about uh, all that's going on, people might have the question, has God forsaken us? Has God abandoned us? Why is all this happening? Why this pandemic? Why the uh, cultural upheaval in so many different areas? Why the political upheaval? I mean, um, you know, the media has already got it settled that Joe Biden is president-elect. Well, there are other people that are not quite so sure, and actually none of that happens until the votes are certified and all of that, and the Electoral College has to meet. Uh, All of those kind of things have to take place. And when we look at all of that, we see uncertainty and we see questioning, and we wonder, what, what is happening? Where is God in all of this, and how could God possibly be at work in all of this stuff? Well, as I read through the Bible, one of the things that I find is God loves to do things that are impossible. He loves to take a virgin girl named Mary and 
and have her to conceive a child and bear a child, that's not possible except for God. God loves to take sinners like us whose lives are so messed up that there's nothing waiting for us but hell and send his son to die as a substitute in our place and punish his son instead of punishing us and then draw us into his family and then welcome us into heaven just as he welcomes his perfect son. That's impossible but for God. And God loves to do these miracles. When you think about people in the Bible, uh, you know, the widow in the Old Testament whose son was dead and uh, the prophet comes and raises the child from the dead. When you think about the uh, prophet who died and he, he had a lot of debt and his wife says to Elijah, the, uh, the, the creditors are after us and there's nothing that we can do. And so uh, what does he tell him? Do you have any oil? Well, I've got just a little bit. And it was probably her husband's anointing flask. Well, get every pot that you've got and pour the oil into the pots and then sell it and pay off your debts. I mean, if she had had enough pots, she would still be pouring today, wouldn't she? And that's not even possible except for God. And this is a God that does the impossible over and over and over. And when we find ourselves in these situations, how did we get here? Well, we'd have to say it's because of the sovereignty and the leadership of God. This is no accident that we live where we live and we live in the times in which we live. It's no accident. There's a purpose and there's a reason for all of that. And we are the ones that need to answer the question, is God among us or not? Now, if he's not, then we're in trouble. And I would like to say to any atheist, any evolutionist who's listening, that if I believed what you believe in just random chance, natural selection, and all of that, okay, I don't know why you would want to fight this pandemic. Let it do its work and wipe out humanity or whatever and just have the survival of the fittest. Isn't that the way they say that it works and that's supposed to be the best way? Uh, we look at those kind of things and say, is there a God or not? Is he among us or not? We have to answer that even as a church. Is God among us or not? Is there a cause worth fighting for, worth giving to, worth being a part of? Is it worth it or not? Well, if God's not among us, then probably not. But if God is among us, then this is not the time to back down. This is not the time to give up. This is not the time to get lazy. This is not the time to be stingy. This is not the time to succumb to sin and temptation. This is not the time to isolate. This is not the time to put on a spiritual mask and hide yourself behind it. This is a time for openness. This is a time for more communication than ever. This is a time for prayer. This is a time for faith. This is a time for giving. This is a time for investing in the work of the Lord because there's something going on here that we don't see and it is of God because he is the creator and the controller of all things and there's something in all of this that we're not quite seeing yet. Maybe our greatest days are ahead of us because of the pandemic not in spite of it. And maybe God is going to take people that are so 
fearful of dying and they're willing to listen to any message about life and death and eternity that a few months ago they would have just dismissed. Maybe. We don't know. That's why we have to be ready. That's why we have to be on guard. That's why we can't be asleep. That's why we must trust God. And that's why we don't doubt Him. And so when I think about what is going on here with Israel in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 17, I want to make this statement as we read it. To doubt God is to believe, or should we say, assume that there is another option. If God is true and he is sovereign, then there is no other way to go except his way. But if we allow ourselves to doubt, we are mentally and emotionally and spiritually saying, I think there is another way besides God. That's a dangerous place to be on. In fact, the children of Israel, when they get at this point and they say, oh, if we should have stayed in Egypt. Oh, really? Was that an option? Was that something that they could have done? No. It was God who brought them out of Egypt. It was God who sent Moses. It was God who did the plagues. It was God who led them out by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And Ye was still leading them even now. There's no other option except God. When they look at Moses and say, we'd rather stone you, we're going to see that in this passage, and get rid of you. What have you done? How dare you do this to us? It's almost as if they're saying, you know what? We should have followed Bob instead of Moses. Well, there was no Bob in that situation, was there? There was no other leader. There was no one else. And I would say to you in your life, You are here, there is a way that you are to go, and there is no other option except to believe God and to walk by faith and and not by sight. For without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And trust me, at at times like these, you want to be pleasing to God. That's where we need to be. I think about our church, and I think about Some of the things that we have been through, things that predate me, and I've been here a long time. This church has had ample opportunities to die, to close its doors and die. But you know what? We're here today because we haven't. And there's only one reason that we haven't, and that's because God is not through with Graceway Baptist Church. There's a work to be done, and I think... That God is going to reveal some of those things to us and poise us for greater days than we have ever had before. And so we trust him and we cling to him and we hold to his word and hold to his promises no matter what. Because we don't have another option. Let's read. The Bible says... In verse 1, then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses... Don't you know he's tired of that by now? 
All he's done is bless them. They contended with Moses and they said, give us water. When has Moses ever been able to give water? He's not God. Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? And why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Let that sink in. They're almost ready to stone me. Thank you, Moses. Thank you. Verse 5. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river, the Nile, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. May drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and so he called the name of the place Massa, and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, when we think about these things and we think about doubt, these verses remind us of some things that we don't want to do. And first of all, notice that in this passage we see doubt of the Lord's leadership because it says that they went and they ended up in this place, in the desert, in a place where there was no water. And it is, notice, according to the commandment of the Lord. Not Moses. According to the commandment of the Lord. You see, this is a place where God was leading them. We say the wilderness wanderings. They really weren't wandering. That implies it was just a free-for-all. They went from here to there just willy-nilly. But the truth of the matter is, those 40 years, and including this time, there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night guiding them. And so where, who was it that brought them to the place where they say, we're about to die and there's no water? It was God. Could it be that the Lord has brought you to an impossible situation somewhere in your life and you are attributing it to the devil and God is saying, hey, pay attention, this is actually me. I'm bringing you to a place where you're going to have to trust me. Well, I'd rather not, Lord. I'd rather have a place with plenty of water. I'd rather have a place where I don't have any questions. I'd rather have a place where I can see the answers. I'd rather have a place where it can all make sense. And the Lord may be saying, that's your problem. You've been doing that. And look where it has gotten you. And now I've led you to a dead end. I've led you to a place where you have no place to look but up. So what are you going to do? 
Well, the children of Israel didn't do it right. Not in this situation. And God is gracious. They were tempting the Lord. He could have rained fire and brimstone down on them. Or he could have just backed off and said, you want to be alone? You got it. And they could have died of thirst in the desert. But he didn't. He's very gracious. And he's very kind to provide for them. And as we're going to see, there's a picture in all of that that we need to get. We need to understand because it's mentioned in the New Testament. But when we think about all of this, they were doubting the leadership of God. How did we get here? Why are we here? What is it that is really happening here? And they really couldn't see the hand of God. They couldn't see the provision of God. They didn't even turn to the Lord, did they? They doubted him. And this question, is the Lord among us or not, should have been well answered by this point into their journey. I mean, what all had they seen? God dealing with Pharaoh, God taking them out of Egypt, God getting them through the Red Sea, and all of those things that we've already talked about. That should be a settled issue. And can I ask you a question? Is it a settled issue in your life that God is sovereign and that God is with you and that you are here for such a time as this? You just need to find out what it is God wants you to do it. It may be different than what you were doing before. It may be different than the way that you pictured it. That's the way it is for Israel. Because when they left Egypt thinking they're going to the land flowing with milk and honey, they didn't see all this Red Sea and desert stuff, did they? They didn't comprehend it, but they had to deal with it when they got there. And the only way to deal with it was to look to the Lord. But they're so filled with doubt, they can't even see the leadership of the Lord when it is right in front of them pay attention God is leading you walking with you indwelling you and he has you where you are and he is the answer to any problem that you've got number two notice that the first thing that they do then is they doubt not only God's leadership but they begin to doubt his appointed leader now Moses as we mentioned before, doesn't deserve any of this stuff that he's getting. And this is not the first time he gets it. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? All of that kind of stuff. Oh, it was so great when we sat by, you know, the crock pots of Egypt and we had all the meat we wanted. Remember we said it was like Golden Corral. We ate to the fill. Oh, it was so, so wonderful. You know, remember all of the things that they uh, said to Moses and the things that they said about Moses. And now they ramp it up just a little bit. Moses has some physical threats to his life. We'll just kill you and we'll show you and we'll get out of here. Where would these people be without Moses? Where would they be? Still in Egypt? Still under slavery? Still groaning to the Lord? Where would they be? Where would they be without Moses at the Red Sea? I mean, after all, God didn't tell anybody else over there, hey, George, go over there and strike the sea. That was not a job anybody could do. That was Moses' job with Moses' rod, just like now. This is how God is going to work. You better not take the leader that God has given you for granted. There are certain things that only he can do, right? And in this case... God doesn't say, anybody who wants water, just go to the rock and hit it. 
Nobody else was authorized to do that. Nobody else was allowed to do that. Nobody else was gifted. Nobody else was equipped. Nobody else had that one particular rod, did they? In order to get it, they'd have to kill Moses. Moses said, they're about to stone me in all of this. And yet, where would they be without Moses? You better appreciate those kind of things. God has put spiritual authorities in your life. And while they're not perfect, Moses certainly wasn't perfect. We see him at times getting angry like he does here and like we saw last week. And that was going to be his undoing at the end of his life and why he didn't get to go to the promised land. But nonetheless, he was God's servant and Joshua would take his place a little later on. Better be careful about those kind of things because as bad as things can get with God's man leading you, they can get a whole lot worse without God's man leading you the same thing is true in the family the same thing is true in a nation the same thing is true wherever you might go we've got to be careful with all of those kind of things we can do it better ourselves or we don't really need him or he's done a lousy job better be careful because it can get worse can't it and so they began to doubt God's appointed leader here and uh, even to the point of wanting to stone him. Thirdly, notice that they began to cast doubt upon God's, not his leadership, but his entire plan. They're casting doubt upon the covenant that God had made with them. God had told their ancestor Abraham, yeah, there's going to be a time when your descendants will be in a foreign land as slaves, but I'm going to bring them out and I'm going to bring them back to this land that I have given you. Now, Abraham never actually possessed all of that territory, but God said, rest assured, your descendants will. Well, these are the descendants. God did not choose the previous generation. God did not choose a generation or two later on. It was this generation for such a time as this that God chose to work in their life to bring them out of Egypt, to bring them through the wilderness, to take them into the promised land. And yet this generation continually doubted. And you know what God did? God finally got to the point to where he said, I'll just wait for you all to die off and I'll use the next generation because they will believe me. And the question is this for us. Are we going to leave it to the next generation or do we believe that God has us ready and equipped and standing up now so that we can teach the next generation to be faithful and to walk by faith? Well, this generation had trouble getting it, and they had trouble getting in sync with Moses. It seemed like what Moses had on his agenda that was from the Lord was different than the people's agenda. And where the beauty happens is when those two things begin to match up. When the man of God and the people of God are working together in harmony with the same vision, then tremendous things happen. But when not, when they're out of sync, it's like an old standard transmission. You can grind a lot of gears. And the gears were grinding here in uh, uh, the desert because the people began to think that the plan of God and the covenant of God was not really all that great. Have you ever read something in the Bible and you looked at it and you said, well, I know what it says, but man, I'm not sure I agree with that. 
I'm not sure that that's the way that we ought to go. I'm not sure that that's relevant for modern times. And we begin to think that God is an old fogey, that God is out of date, that God doesn't know what we really need, that God needs to be informed, that God kind of needs to change and adapt to where we are. You see, at this point, the children of Israel are saying, who cares about land flowing with milk and honey? I need a drink. My livestock needs water. Where are we going to get water? Moses has led us out here. This stuff about God and his covenant is not working. And some people have said that about giving. Well, it doesn't work. Some people have said that about witnessing. Well, it doesn't work. Some people have said that about worshiping the Lord and gathering. Well, that doesn't work. We've got to help God out. We've got to change what his plan is. And we forget about the fact that we are covenant children of God through the blood of Jesus Christ that we celebrate every time we do the Lord's Supper. This is the blood of the new covenant, a covenant of grace. And sometimes we think maybe it's not really all it's cracked up to be. Maybe it's not really all that special. Maybe it's not really all that important. Maybe I can do some other things. And I'll just say there is no other way to go. And that brings us into the Fourth thing, where there is a doubt of God's very presence. Boy, you talk about the insult. With all of this stuff that is happening, it seems as we read this that the thing that really insulted God is when the question came up, is God among us or not? You know, the old hymn says, what more can he say than to you he has said? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. What more can he say? And I would apply that here in this to the children of Israel. I would want to say, what else does God have to say? What else does God have to do? What else do you have to experience to be convinced that God has chosen you to be his people, that God has made a covenant with you, the nation of Israel, and he is going to perform that covenant. You see, if God leads you out into the desert to die, it means the covenant is null and void. If God is not with you, if God doesn't care about you, if God is not going to see you through, then God is a liar, and God has misled you, and God is a fraud. That rhymes, doesn't it? And look what they were saying. No wonder God was insulted by all of that. No wonder God had something to say. And these people are there in the presence of God, leading them by the cloud and by the fire. There they are in the presence of God when the man of God takes the rod of God out to a rock. And in the presence of the elders of Israel, he strikes the rock. Well, why do you have to do that? Can God not bring water without doing something weird like that? Well, you see, there was a picture. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul specifically, he says that the rock was Christ. How is it that you and I receive the living water of the grace of God? Because 2,000 years ago, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, God the Father struck him. And he was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement for our peace fell upon him. Our substitute, the suffering servant of God that we read about in Isaiah chapter 53, hung on the cross so that you and I, as thirsty sinners, could drink freely of the living water that Jesus spoke of to the woman at the well so that we would never thirst again. Somebody say amen to that. That rock followed them, Paul said, and the rock was Christ. You see, when we look at that, we see that the covenant that God made with Abraham was still in effect, and God would set a table for them in the wilderness if he had to, that God would bring water out of the rock if he needed to, because God was going to see his people through to the other side just as he promised. And God is saying to us today, don't doubt me. Because the plan of God is not dependent upon who sits in the White House. In fact, no one sits in the White House except by the permission of God. Am I right about that? The Bible would tell us that God does not work around pandemics like COVID-19. In fact, God works through them as he humbles a nation, brings it to its knees. We have prayed for decades that God would work in America. Well, perhaps it's through this Chinese virus, and I've got my theories just like you do about where it came from, and yet God allowed it, and God has allowed it to spread in great numbers, and fear has spread, and maybe that opens a door that never would have opened without the pandemic. And God is saying, if you, I wonder if he calls us idiots sometimes, if you bozos would just trust me and believe what you were singing about earlier and just walk with me and don't doubt me, I would show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It's in the Bible, isn't it? You would see all things working together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's you. That's me. We would begin to see God putting things together in a way that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for God to lead his people out where there's no water. Why would God do that? Because he wanted to give them a picture of grace. And he was going to put a rock out there that would be smitten by the rod of Moses as a picture of Christ being smitten. And out of it would come the water. And oh, don't picture it as being just a little trickle of water like a water fountain down the hall that you can't use right now. This is water that is going to feed what, one to two million people and their livestock? This is God making a river in the desert, an abundance in the desert, and that's impossible except for God. And my prayer is that through what we're going through right now, that God might be getting ready to open up a river of grace that no one saw coming 
that just might change this nation for the glory of God. And we are not like the doubters, and we're not like the fear mongers, and we're not like the politicians, and we're not like all of the people who will use this to make billions of dollars. We're not like them. We are standing there as the army of God, equipped and ready for battle and ready for his assignment. And when the water flows, we're right there in our place. And we are able to see the glory of God like never before. Am I right? I guess we'll see. But can you dispute anything that I say? No. We don't know what God's going to do. The Lord may come back tomorrow and everything I just said doesn't really matter a whole lot to us because we'll be in heaven with the Lord. But he may not come back for 500 years, which makes what I say very relevant, not only for us, but folks, we've got to still think about the next generation and the generation after that. We've got to be ready. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to get wobbly. This is not the time to give up. This is not the time to retreat. This is the time to do what the Bible says, stand. And to stand firm for the glory of the Lord and with the armor on, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. My God holds the future. He is sovereign, and he can bring water out of the desert if he needs to to accomplish his will and plan and fulfill his promises to us so that all we have to do is rest in him and trust in him. And God will, as the old hymn says, take care of you and your descendants for his glory. Can you say amen to that? Let's rest in him. Let's rest in him. And so I want to ask you, if you've never trusted him today, repent of your sins and believe the gospel and put your faith and trust in Christ. And if you have, don't become a doubter. Don't go the other way. Don't back up. But step up and stand up and march forward in faith with the confidence that the God that you knew in times past is still God today. And the God of peace and sunshine is the God in darkness and even in a pandemic. And he is not worried one bit. You should not be either. God will take care of you. And all God's people said. Let's bow. Lord, as we rest in you, we also want to acknowledge we have trouble resting in you because just like the people in Israel in that desert, we're moved by what we feel. They were thirsty. They were hot. They didn't see any end in sight. They didn't see any oasis. They didn't see any wells. They didn't see any rain clouds. It looked like there was no way out. Nothing but hopelessness. And they failed to realize you already had made provision for this. Before they even knew they were thirsty, you already had a rock made. Before they ever knew that they were going to need rivers in the desert, God had provided a man to lead them and a rod for him to use. Before they ever knew they had a need for the grace of God, there was a picture of Christ way out there in the desert. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 
Would you give us faith to understand too? You will meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. You will take care of your children. And then you will not only take care of us, but you will use us to bless subsequent generations. Just like this generation in Exodus is still blessing us today. Thank you. Even their sin is a blessing to us because it warns us. And I pray that our lives would be able to do that and point other people in the next generations in the right way. Don't let us become so fearful that we hide out in our houses. Don't let us become so fearful that we teach our children not to go to church. Don't let us become so fearful that we teach our little ones to be more afraid of a pandemic than they have a fear for God. Please forgive us and please cleanse us and guide us in the way everlasting. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for your time.